Oh, hey there. Thanks for choosing to listen to Conference Talk. This is Shelby. And this is Kevin. Tune in each week to hear us discuss a conference talk by modern-day apostles and general authorities. We love y'all, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome, everyone, to episode 13 of Conference Talk. Welcome. Did I say it fast enough? Well, it's not so much about saying it really fast. It's saying the talk with an exclamation point on it. Okay, good to know. (laughs) Conference talk. That's right, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we are going to be talking about um, Elder Gong's talk, Hosanna and Hallelujah, the living Jesus Christ, the heart of restoration and Easter. A lot of stuff going on in this talk. There is various, various components of this talk, and they go all over the place, but they're all about Jesus Christ, so... Right. Can't it, go wrong. It ties back together with a focus on the Savior, mm-hmm. which is super cool. And that's like that's like conference as a whole. Sure, everybody kind of talks about a different subject matter. Sometimes they share a diff- like a story or a little joke or something like that. Um, and even sometimes th- things change, like changes are announced at conference. But it all ties back <clears throat> to Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Very true. So, Kevin, take us away. Oh, I'm taking what, us away? What impressed you? What, I don't know, just your first thoughts. Let's just start. Yeah, the well, the talk begins with a little anecdote about Ivy who is a young girl whom Elder Gong knew. Mm-hmm. I guess like a, a family but that they, they knew and met. Um, they had a, a young daughter named Ivy. And he recounts um, experience an experience where she was just beginning to learn how to play the violin. And he's seen over time her develop into a beautiful uh, violin player. Hmm. And then he likened that unto us in our mortal lives, how we begin um, many things, but really we begin in our mortal life uh, and through practice and persistence. I wrote that down, practice and persistence. We, well, we, we become more faithful. We become more capable and something that he said was with the passage of time moral agency and moral experiences help us become more like our savior as we labor with him in his vineyard and follow his covenant path and so i wrote down in my notes i put labor and covenant of path and i asked the question what are we practicing for when we do these things uh we're practicing for heaven we're learning heaven yeah it's so interesting i highlighted that part but um i also highlighted the next part too patterns of restoration which i actually had a very 
I had a lot of thoughts about that idea of patterns. You go okay, ahead. Okay, wait, no, you go. I'm I'm interested because I took a lot of notes on the next two on this paragraph. Well, first, I asked the question in my notes. I asked, "Do we recognize the patterns of revelation?" Mm -hmm. And. Let me see here. In the talk, Elder Gong references the appearance of God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, to Joseph Smith as a young man. And that is kind of a, that experience in and of itself is a pattern of revelation because the Lord has made himself well revealed himself to many men throughout the temporal existence of the earth, going back to, uh, you know, Abraham and Moses and so many, so many men, you know, Isaiah says that he saw the Lord. Right. Um, and then Nephi and Jacob, who we've talked about in the Book of Mormon thus far in our Book of Mormon podcast, little, little uh, plug in plug. <laughs> um, and I, I thought about that. I said, well, because he, he quotes from revelation, elder gong does. Um, and he also quotes from the uh, appearance of Jesus Christ at the Kirtland temple dedication. Mm. And those, uh, the description of him was his eyes were as a flame of fire. The hair of his head was white like the pure snow. His countenance shone above the brightness of the sun and his voice was as the sound of the rushing of great waters, even the voice of Jehovah. And that you, you can go and follow that and it goes to Revelation and then it goes to Ezekiel and then it just goes through all the scriptures where those that's a pattern of Revelation. I don't think I understand completely why it is those things, some maybe symbolic, some may be uh, important. Well, I think of um, Elder Bednar, Patterns of Revelation talk mm. um, and videos. There's three videos broken up and he talks about simple patterns of revelation being like one is a light switch just turns on in a dark room. Mm. That's a pattern of revelation. Another one is um, the sun gradually rising in the morning. Mm. That's a pattern of revelation. And another one is maybe it's a foggy day and you can't see any light and you just got to keep stepping forward and moving mm -hmm. until you find the light. That's a pattern of revelation. So there's all sorts of patterns of revelations in our lives that maybe we don't think of. And I think they can be very individual for each person mm. too. Like I know a pattern of revelation in my life is getting the chills when I'm learning something or when I need to know something. Mm. Um, I just get the chills down mainly my back and arms and they're not the cold chills because I've learned to differentiate being cold versus feeling the spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, but I took this a completely different way. So I'm glad that we can have some versatile vert. Is that the word versatile? Be diverse on this podcast. <laughs> um, so I put, I remember my friend, Abriana, who we've had, on this podcast or the Book of Mormon one. Yeah, it was on the Book of Mormon podcast. She she told me one day, she said, Shelby, I was told one time by 
like one of her stake presidents or something that God is the God of order and there's order in all things. And so as soon as I saw patterns, I thought of God being a God of order and I, and I kept reading with that thought. And then I read in the end of the verse, it says he comes or he came and comes to heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives, recover sight to the blind and set at liberty those who are bruised. And with this whole God being an order type thing and working in order and patterns, I put in my notes, I put he takes those that are out of order, right? Like something's broken, something's out of order and makes them whole and orderly, able to function, or puts them correctly in their place by creating order, mm. right? And so I thought about, um, obviously, we're fallen, so we don't fit in a perfect heavenly order yet. So that's our point in learning while we're here, so that we can eventually fit into um, a state of perfection or order, is how I would like to think of it and um pattern and follow in that yeah type of thing and so it really gave me insight onto how into how god and jesus christ work because they don't just willy-nilly do things they have patterns and they have orders and laws and things that they follow and abide by so that's ever more important for us um now and i just love the fact that I came up with the term being out of order and being fixed because it also applies to the atonement. You get fixed and you get healed and, and so on and so forth. And with that being like a, a lifelong process. Right. Because we're learning heaven. Right. We're not at heaven yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we will be out of order multiple, 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 every day of our lives until right. we're perfect. So. Yeah, even our most orderly, uh, you know, perfect day is still, still chaotic. Yeah. Um, now, I, I actually want to retract that uh, because there are times I remember from being on my mission where there were days that I felt that from the time I woke up to the time much we got home and we we're going to bed that we were exactly where we needed to be at every moment of the day but that was because we were abiding by the strict order established for missionary schedules mm -hmm. right maybe an opportunity that we as uh, just general members of the church we can try to plan our days like the missionaries do just in the just in our our mindset and say like what what would the lord want us to do at this point like i mean when you're waking up in the morning are you going to hit the snooze button and and stay in bed a couple more minutes even another hour is that really what the lord would want you to do mm -hmm. um meanwhile if you got up what could you be doing well now there's a lot of opportunity for chaos in, in the morning. You could waste time on your phone. You could uh, watch TV. You know, you have this, this gift of time. You know, what are you, what are you doing with it? And uh, all of this goes back to, you know, some of these things we inherently know and feel. 
some of the things like this, we have to rely on the Holy Ghost and the um, patterns of revelation. Well, yeah, the, the promptings that he sends mm -hmm. us. I wanted to read a little note that I took from this is actually from last September. It was a sacrament meeting and a member of our ward, Kelsey Garner. Oh, yeah. She was we talking. Should, we should have her on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, anyway, keep going. She shared something, and uh, this is just paraphrasing what she said. Uh, it says, we already know what is important. The Holy Ghost will not beat us over the head with what we already know to be true. Unless, I want to add a caveat, unless we are willfully going against it, then he will kind of beat us over the head and kind of chastise us, but only for so long. He's not going to chastise you forever for what you know. Continuing. However, looking back, we can often see a consistent pattern of revelation or reminders. And there is a way that we do. We do receive reminders from the spirit. Um, I, at least I do. I, I receive a lot of reminders of like, hey, Kevin, this is what's really important. Like, don't get too caught up on that stuff. Um, so, you know, it, so we can't expect, um, I did want to say we can't expect the spirit to tell us what we already know to be true. Once we know something and have accepted it as a gospel principle or a truth, we have to, we have to live it. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Well, this talk was given in the context of um, Easter, mm -hmm. um, which is important to note. Um, sorry, both my parents <laughs> just decided to call me randomly, so I got <laughs> distracted. Had to text them that we're doing our podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so it was given in the in the context of Easter, and so he talks about the meaning of Hosanna and Hallelujah. Mm. Yeah, and if you scroll down, it says, uh, where should I start? Well, it's talking about Palm Sunday and how on Palm Sunday, um, it's a sake traditionally palms are a sacred symbol that express joy in, in our Lord. And it's when Christ, uh, does his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so they took a bunch of palm trees and went forth to meet him anyway. But when you get to Hosanna, it says Hosanna, uh, or said, our Lord entered Jerusalem riding a colt as multitudes knowingly cried, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save now. Then, as now, we rejoice. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Um, and then further down, it says, Hosanna is our plea for God to save. And I love that because we just, in this conference, we did the Hosanna shout. And we were basically shouting shouting, sorry, for Christ to come and save us. Because um, we do live in a very, it, there's a lot of good in the world, but there's also a lot of wicked. And so we do live in a very um, uncertain times is what I like to say. But then he talks about what hallelujah means. And it says, hallelujah expresses our praise to the Lord for the hope of salvation and exaltation. In Hosanna and hallelujah, we recognize the living Jesus Christ as the heart of Easter and Latter-day Restoration. 
And I just thought that was so, I highlighted it because I loved it. Um, it really tied together for me the meaning of, of Easter, that he came to save us, but also that the restoration, hallelujah, because he gave us hope for more to come. You know, it wasn't, it was, this wasn't just it, it didn't just end. There, there was more after his death. You know? Yeah, I, I think that segues into the next part of the talk, which is about prophecies or the fulfillment of prophecies. And mm -hmm. when we do have faith in Jesus Christ and in God, prophecies are promises. They're not they're not said, um, I guess, uh, without without some weight. We know that when the Lord says something or that he's going to do something, then he will do them. Well, he will do it. Right. And so that's another earlier. We were talking about practice and persistence. That was the first two P's of this talk. <laughs> the next two P's are promises and prophecies, mm -hmm. which I'm using kind of synonymously right now. But um, Elder Gong goes on to talk about some of the fulfilled prophecies which were part of the promised restoration, such as Elijah visiting um, at the the temple dedication mm -hmm. at Kirtland. Yeah. And he bestowed upon Joseph Smith the keys to seal, the, key, the priesthood keys to seal, um, which that was his purpose. And, and he that fulfills a, an Old Testament prophecy in Malachi. Um, Moroni in the Book of Mormon also taught about um, Elijah's mission. Mm -hmm. And I, when I was listening to this talk and then when I reread it in preparation for the, the podcast today, I wanted to share um, something that one of our Institute teachers, Brother Richens, we mention him all the time because <laughs> we love him so much. We learn so much from him. From the spirit. He's just a really good instrument. Okay, sure. <laughs> and he asked the question, he asked, have you ever felt in your life a time where you wasted something like wasted your time or your time was wasted by someone else. And mm -hmm. it's just like, isn't that a terrible feeling? And then he drew the parallel. He drew the connection to what if heavenly father and Jesus Christ at, at the coming of Christ, the second coming, what if he arrived and realized that, all of his time and effort, and of course, time is not like we think of time, but all of his efforts and really all of our time here on the earth was wasted. Mm. Like how terrible would that be for him and for all of us? Right. The only way that it could be wasted, and it talks about this in, in the prophecy, the whole earth would be utterly wasted at the Lord's coming if 
this ceiling of all the families and all the people of the earth were not complete. And Elijah's mission was to give us the ability to enable us to do that, that very, very important thing. Right. I remember when I was on my mission, uh, President Torres, my mission president, was so gung-ho about getting people to do family history work, right? And that included new converts. He promised us that if, if our new convert took a name to the temple within the first quarter of being baptized, they would remain active. That was a huge promise. I, I'm going to tell you, our retention rate went through the roof. Like people, it was amazing. It's true. But it's because of this right here, this prophecy that the hearts of the children shall turn to their fathers and the fathers to their children. It's talking about ceiling power. And he said how he he didn't give the same analogy as Brother Richens did, but he did say it would there is literally no point if we don't seal our families together and link ourselves all the way back to Adam and Eve, which is ultimately Jesus Christ, you know, and Heavenly Father. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? Because they made them. Yeah. Yeah. When we're his spirit children. Right. That's, little, that's what I'm meaning. Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm starting. I was thinking, I was like, Not wait. Like, literally, I mean, we weren't born of him physically. Right. Like we're his spirit. Anyway, my point is that it just links it. It ties us to them. And yeah. that chain, I mean, Kevin and I talked about this when we were dating, but we are, one of our goals was we've talked about families and ceiling power. We want to be that strong link in the chain. Like that should be our goals as families is to create strong links throughout this chain that binds you all the way back to your ancestors and all the way back. Right. And that's what part of the millennium is for is to do all that. Cause mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of errors cause we're human, <laughs> right? But we'll get there. Yeah. Just to, to piggyback on what you said earlier about, you said back to Adam and Eve and then to Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. At first I was like, what? And then, and then I, <laughs> I know I saw your face. <laughs> and then I was, I thought about this, which the, there's nothing that brings, I mean, I'm speaking from experience with you. Mm -hmm. Nothing brought me closer to the savior than being sealed to you. Nothing in my whole life. Maybe the book of Mormon, because it, was the gateway by which I entered onto the path, onto the covenant path. But that didn't necessarily bring me closer in and of itself. I had to make choices. I had to journey down uh, the covenant path. That, that makes sense because you are becoming more like Heavenly Father. Correct. By doing that. And I can't imagine when we have children, you're going to feel the same way yes. you most likely felt when we were sealed. A hundred percent. If not even more. Because that is your offspring. I want to make a, a note. I liked everything that you just said. Uh -huh. I also wanted to say, because we were talking about the Holy Ghost earlier, yeah. and then we were talking about Elijah, and yeah. the spirit of Elijah, which is this, well, I'll read what Elder Gong says. The spirit of Elijah, he says, which is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost 
draws us to our generations, past, present, and future. So this spirit of Elijah, as we discuss it, that's, that's again, just a, a pattern of revelation, right? It's something that the Holy Ghost has done for a very long time. And now we can feel that same, that same spiritual connection to our, our generations past, present and future. And it's because it's because the, the Lord loves us. He, we're, we're his children. Um, right. Something we were talking about earlier today was how like in the old Testament, these ancient patriarchs, they really understood the importance of their generations. They weren't just concerned about their current generation and themselves. They were thinking down the endless lines and they really were concerned about them. So the spirit of Elijah was also working then as the Holy ghost. Right. And that, that's why they were so dedicated. And that's why we can be just as dedicated in temple work, family history work, if we let the spirit guide us, if we, if we, like I was saying earlier, when we make an offering of our time and efforts and our talents, some people are really good at that stuff and uh, they help other people accomplish the work in their own families, right? Yeah. You made me really miss the temple. Yeah. Other promises? What other promises does Elder Gong mention? Both that have been fulfilled or will be fulfilled? Well, he goes on to talk about um, the the Book of Mormon. Well, he, I'm skipping over a few things, actually. But... He goes on to talk about, I'm going to read it. The Book of Mormon describes the power and resurrection of Christ, the essence of Easter in terms of two restorations. So I guess these would be promises or prophecies being fulfilled. But first is that the resurrection includes physical restoration of our proper and perfect frame, order, again, being brought back into order. Mm -hmm. And then um, it gives hope to all those who have lost limbs, have been able to see, hear, walk, rentless diseases, mental illness. He'll make you whole or bring you order. The second one is the promise of Easter and our Lord's atonement that is spiritually, or I'm sorry, um, let me, I butchered that really bad. <laughs> and our Lord's atonement is that spiritually, all things will be restored to their proper order. The spiritual restoration reflects our works and desires. Um. And what's interesting is it said the prophet Alma uses the word restore 22 times as he urges us to deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. So restoring just means to be brought back to its fullness and its glory. And the restoration was brought back and it's put into order. And I know that we will be... uh, we'll be given a greater glory than we were given before, which is even more awesome, right? Like, I don't necessarily think we want to go back to the way that we were before, but 
um, because we didn't have a body and we didn't know all the things we know now. But I, those are two promises that we have is that the atonement will provide spiritual restoration and that we will also have physical restoration through the resurrection. Something that we've seen in these conference talks from, from this conference is that the atonement of Jesus Christ is very much at the center of, of all the subjects. Um, and really it's because it's, it is the central event in all of history. That's, that's what makes all of the plan of salvation possible. Right. We couldn't, we couldn't, in a way, we couldn't risk coming here without a savior and an atonement. Mm -hmm. And we cannot leave here <laughs> without a savior and atonement. And so Christ is that, that Lord. He, you know, I, I thought, I've thought lately because recently in our Book of Mormon podcast, we have talked a lot about Jesus Christ as the, king of of this people of, of israel mm -hmm. and i i've in a lot of ways i i you know as a a guy who grew up in a in america and i think most people on the earth now can kind of think of like well i don't really know what it's like to have like a monarch or uh you know a sovereign but there's there's something about having that that one central ruler somebody who the buck stops with him yeah. there's there's no one above him necessarily there's no one that he subordinates himself to and yet Jesus Christ always subordinates himself to the father so well that they just work in unity mm -hmm. and in a way he subordinates his own will all of his comforts his you know maybe his uh desires so that we can rejoin him in heaven and uh and that's a that's a really powerful and beautiful relationship that I have with him that we all can have with him. And so. Um, can I give a real life example of that? Yeah. So I was actually just talking at work with uh, my coworker, John. He's my supervisor. And um, he told me they were talking about how they went to Harry Potter world and hmm. his son, who's actually, his name is Kevin, by the way, <laughs> and cool. his son, Kevin at the time was, he was too short to ride the Hogwarts, right? And this was the first time they went and he just bawled and cried and, you know, just this kid really wanted to ride the ride. Kevin really wanted to get on Hogwarts. Yeah. So, you know, he's with all these other adults who probably want to ride the ride just as bad. Um, and they all do. They all want to go on this Hogwarts ride. But John was the one who said, you know, I, I took one and I said, you know, I will step back and I will be with our son while he cries and mourns. Um, and you guys can all go ride the ride, you know. 
and it's hot. It's like 100 degrees in Florida. You know, just like all these other aspects go into the story. But he gave up, um, in a way, he subordinated his will to his sons in order to provide comfort, right? Right. And be like, okay, look, buddy, you can't go, and I can't go either. So I'm going to be right here with you. And so it's kind of like a, a parenting example, but we we do it a lot. Kevin does it a lot with me. He takes out the trash, <sighs> even though, you know, I don't like taking that trash, but he does it because he knows I like it and he loves me and he wants to show his love for me. So, you know, there's just like little things all over that we do um, that we don't think of that, that typify of that. Yeah. So, that yeah. is cool. I like that. <laughs> well, and uh, Elder Gong goes into talking about the, the fact that Jesus Christ because he atoned for our sins, he knows exactly what we're going through. And mm-hmm. so that kind of goes with what you were talking about, John. He he was able to, he knew exactly what his son, what was, his son was feeling, yeah. right? And um, there's no way that that didn't, that didn't bring them closer together, uh, if not in the moment, uh, definitely long-term, you know? Right. Well, because then they went back again a second time and were able to write yeah. a boat together and they checked the high requirements before they went. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Well, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely more to the talk, um, but yeah. I, I don't have really anything else that I wanted to share. I just have one more quote that he said I wanted to share. It's towards the end of the talk, but it says, only he can say, I have engraven me upon the palms of my hands. Only he can say, I am he who was lifted up. I am Jesus that was crucified. I am the son of God. Like little Ivy and her violin, we are in some way still beginning. Truly, I have not seen nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love them. In these times, we can learn much of God's goodness and our divine potential for God's love to grow in us as we seek him and reach out to each other in new ways and new places we can do and become line upon line, kindness upon kindness, individually and together. I loved that because we're still growing, we're still learning. And I mean, we still should be shouting hosannas and hallelujahs, you know, and looking to our savior and looking for those patterns of revelation and in our lives and how can we become more like him? And there's just so many good things for in this talk. So if you haven't read it, read it, read it. If I may. Penny in the jar. <laughs> I'd like to invite our listeners and also you to read one of my favorite talks. It's actually probably one of the most impactful talks, or at least the the talk that had the most impact on me as a new member, member of the church. And it's by Elder Richard G. Scott, and it's entitled, How to Obtain Revelation. And he just talks about some ways that he 
received revelation and and how we can do it and there are a lot of really cool things there and i practiced some of those in the mtc and you know i had been a member of the church uh baptized and confirmed i had the gift of the holy ghost for a whole year or more but it was in the mtc when i practiced those deliberate um those deliberate methodologies i guess you could say i really i was like whoa this is real this is a real deal like <laughs> this the holy ghost really is guiding my studies and what i'm going to do and this and that and so i just invite you all to take the time to listen to that one and and what any of the things that he talks about uh put it to the test right experiment on the word yep which is so important you don't have anything to lose so you might as well do it oh yeah for sure well next week i haven't actually i'm gonna talk to you about this now shelby um <laughs> okay i i'm suggesting that we combine the youth speakers okay and so that works for me and i don't want to make it like um about gender or anything maybe <laughs> you could read the the talk by lottie okay. and i could read the talk by enzo okay and we could just riff off of one another and and go into it like that that sounds good because they're both about priesthood and that's youth. right and cool. we are both in callings in which we serve and lead the youth which to be honest uh, i'm gonna i don't i'm not gonna speak for you but with this whole not going to church except on you know every Every three Sundays, we get to go to church, and there are no youth at those meetings. It's all single people, and well, not single people. Um, it's uh, it's people without children. No, it's people who their their youngest child is thirteen and older. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Oh, because there's well, there's youth that have families you know, children oh, that are younger that's right. than them. So they have to go to the other groups. Yeah, that makes so sense. So the only youth who comes to ours is um, a bishop's daughter. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. Anyway, <laughs> the whole purpose of me bringing that up is I, I hope that I receive some revelation from these talks coming up next week and that I will have the courage to put some of the things into practice and and how I can how I can bless the youth whom I serve, even though we we don't really see them a lot. Yeah. So. Well, we'll be back next week. All right, y'all, and tune in for that Book of Mormon podcast. Yeah. Bye bye. Oh, and oh. sorry that we were late on this episode. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> we're definitely gonna get down. Uh, we need to get back to our normal routine, but just, yeah. But yeah, for, we love doing it. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things, right? But yeah, we right. will sign off now and talk to y'all next time. Bye. What's something you learned from this episode of Conference Talk? What are your thoughts, impressions, or feedback for us? 
Be sure to write them down and let us know via Facebook or Instagram at Christ Center Conversations. Press forward, saints!